Welcome to College Football Roundtable, your source for college football coverage, including major storylines, playoffs, can't miss game previews, and picks each week. Join your hosts, Dan, Rob, and Jordan at the roundtable for a show unlike anything else. As for Football presents the College Football Roundtable. So uh, it's week 11. Notre Dame, Clemson against Clemson. Uh, ranked teams struggled in the first half and some never recovered. Georgia, again, takes some time to warm up, but uh, gets things done. We had some great games in the Big 12 this weekend. And uh, Air Force leaves the ranks of the unbeaten and falls out of the top 25. And this week is going to be a Pac-12 showcase as far as big games are concerned. And there's probably going to be a lot of fratricide again this week. What's up, Trash Talkers? Welcome back to the College Football Roundtable. Or if you prefer, you can just call it Ring Knocker Radio. But inside the AFF circles, we call it two o's and at nco i'm your host rob in fayetteville north carolina we got dano ikebesa calling out of coastal connecticut and triggered joe from the home of the big house so this week i watched the buckeye the buckeye struggle in the first half then i saw uh, ej warner try to channel his father and use the greatest show on turf at least against navy and then k-state texas was in a classic but again kickers being kickers like what is going on with special teams this season. And then I watched Army play one of their best defensive performances all weekend. We will dive that way deeper on the Army football show. However, what did you guys end up watching, Dano? And then we'll roll over to Joe. I watched Central Michigan take on Northern Illinois while I was handing out candy on Tuesday night. What a pleasure that was. Boston College beat up on Syracuse Friday night. Also quite a pleasure, I got to be honest with you. Saturday, I really didn't start paying attention until like the 2 p.m. games. Kept waiting for Navy to make that comeback against Temple, but dude, that offense is not good. Watched Army Air Force, obviously. Caught the last quarter or so of Bedlam. Kept waiting for Oklahoma to do something. Watched Washington USC and LSU Bama long enough to see how that was going to end. And uh, I don't know, man. I feel like I had a lot of college football on, but Army Air Force like swamped everything emotionally for me. So I, I, I know that there was a lot of games, but I wasn't focused on very many of them actually on Saturday, except for that big one for me. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that that took a lot of the air out of the room because I think especially like if it would have been a close contest or a closer contest, then I think a lot of eyes would have been on it. But like after Army jumped out to a big lead and, and held on to it going into the third quarter, that, yeah. that kind of pretty much wrapped it up. I mean, I didn't think well, we're going to talk about this more, but I didn't think they were just going to steamroll those guys for four quarters. I thought for sure the Zoomies would come back in the third quarter and make it a game. But anyway, yeah. enough. We'll yeah. talk about that on the other show. Joe, how about you? Yeah, no, rightfully so. That was a hell of a win by Army. So, um, you know, unfortunately, I got to watch Notre Dame do their best impression of the team they were playing, Clemson. And I would have enjoyed it if I didn't pick them to not Clemson. But uh, then I watched uh, Old Miss, who is quietly continuing to have a really good season, uh, jump out to a big lead on Texas A&M, and Texas A&M fought back and made it a good football game. Um, Texas and Kansas State, man, what an exciting second half that was. Uh, K-State fought back, made that an instant classic in a phenomenal game. And then I watched Michigan drag the Boilermakers at the big house with that big mouth chump of a coach of theirs who just had to be the snitch, so he got served some humble pie at the big house, and I'll talk more about him later. Then we got to watch our boy Michael Penix Jr. outduel yet another very good Pac-12 quarterback in Caleb M.I.L. Williams, who lost has lost every big game he's played this year. And uh, all in all, it was a really good college football Saturday. 
Yeah, I, I mean, it was pretty crazy. And I guess, you know, the over-under question of, of the century is, you know, when does USC axe Lincoln Riley? I mean, like, if he was the OC, cool. Like, you're putting up 40 points a game. However, you're the head coach. You know, you have to be able to establish some type of defense. And surprisingly, guess what? USC has a similar problem to what uh, to what Colorado has. You know, maybe it's a Pac-12 issue now. They have a halfway decent offense, but they can't play any defense. And so... And I would say the defense, at least for for Colorado, has improved over time. Like they're not allowing forty points a game; they're still being outscored, but it's definitely nowhere near as bad as it was. Like again, you can take a blind over on USC for the rest of the season, and you're probably going to hit it. Washington's got that issue in big games too. They're le- they're letting thirty five plus in in these games. They're winning. They might run into problems with that in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. And the other piece of it is, is if you run into a team that has a halfway de- decent defense like Michigan or Ohio State, then you got your work cut out for you, you know, because those guys are pretty stingy. And so if you uh, go against a stingy defense that's going to shut your corners down, then it's going to become a problem. You know, thank goodness for Washington and uh, <laughs> thank goodness for Washington and USC that they don't have to play a team like LSU, at least not, you know, unless there's a playoff game or not a playoff game, but they go into a bowl game because the defensive backfield that LSU has is not going to let those guys run rampant. And one of the other things that I noticed is, you know, like uh, Caleb Williams is like the most talented dude in a pickup game in your neighborhood because the guy's just running all over. You know what I mean? Like he's running all over the place and he's chucking the ball around. But when you look at the number of penalties that they get for holding or ineligible receivers downfield and all that other stuff, that is a direct result of him being so athletic that nobody can tackle him. But I don't have eyes in the back of my head as an offensive lineman, so I don't know where my quarterback is. So I have to do the best that I can when he's, you know, ad libbing back there. And I think that you know discretion sometimes is the better part of valor. Throw the ball away, you know, run to the sidelines and get out on bounds, which is a hell of a lot better than some of these you know ridiculous circus sketches that he's thrown up and his guys are catching it. But speaking of circus sketches. And we'll talk about uh, crazy wild animals, and we have a sponsor here at Answer Football. It is BuyerBarn.com. And BuyerBarn was uh, created by a class of 1997 graduate by the name of Dan Robinson. Dan ran a traditional farm co-op, an option, and realized that there was a better way to modernize farm sales in the 21st century. Dan and his co-founder, Dean, took their IT experience in management and development and created the world's first farm-to-farm uh, online sales auction platform. Barbarn reduces animal health issues by cutting down on animal and owner contact, prevents animal fraud through a buyer selling rating system, is a fully integrated auction platform with secure payments, convenience to buy and sell on your own time, and you get better market pricing because of the wider audience. If you have any questions, go to buyerbarn.com or click on info or email them at info at buyerbarn.com. There's also a tab on the Ask for Football website that you can jump on and get all the information that you need to know. Let's talk about the service academies this week. Dano, what you got? Well, as we mentioned, Army beat Air Force 23-3, to took their O away, also uh, knocked them out of the college football uh, New Year's Six bowl talk and every other damn thing. Uh, this is the best defensive performance by Army all year. I will say it's also probably the best defensive performance by their defensive line in particular in maybe 18 months since probably the 2021 season. Bryson Day, we look great on offense. Ran the ball some like 36 times. Leo Lowen, you know, looked like that Captain America linebacker that Army's been looking for him to be. You know, he got the college football final helmet sticker, well deserved. 12 sack, uh, 12 solo tackle, or 12 tackles, nine solo, two force fumbles, 
Like he was just all over the place. Meanwhile, Navy dropped yet another game to Temple, 32 to 18. Xavier Arline was six of 14, passing for 124 yards and a touchdown. Any other game that might have been enough? I don't know, I, Rob. I'm not sure. I believe that. But EJ Warner threw for 402 and four touchdowns with two interceptions. That Navy rushing defense is really good. Held Temple to just 42 yards rushing, but their defensive backs leave something to be desired. So. Trigger Joe asked in the group chat, I think it was Trigger Joe, this weekend, when E.J. Warner would transfer? Joe, man, that's an interesting question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, he's he's definitely got the skills for sure. Yeah. Well, because, um, you know, Joe was like, well, we haven't seen him play against better competition, which is exactly why my man might consider transferring. Over on the FCS side, Coast Guard Academy beat WPI 28-21, setting, up, setting them up as they head into that Secretary's Cup matchup. They can end their regular season six and four with a win. Merchant Marine Academy had a bye, so they'll go into the veterans, or I'm sorry, into the uh, Secretary's Cup Veterans Day matchup. Uh, they're six and two on this on the year, and uh, yeah, man, if they get that win, that'd be icing on the top for them too. Yeah, for sure. All right, Joe, uh, let's move on into this week's top ten. What you got? Yeah, uh, Georgia stays at number one. They keep uh, keep the top spot after holding off Mizzou thirty-one twenty in a pretty good game. Uh, we, at number two, Michigan stays after they pumped Purdue and Ryan Waters 41 to 13. And that score did not illustrate how dominating the Wolverines were once again. Uh, number three, we got Ohio State backdoor covered in Piscataway, New Jersey, 35 16 over Rutgers. Number four, FSU stumbled out of the start gate but found their stride at Pitt, winning 24 7. Uh, number five is Washington, who I think should be at number four after hanging half a hundo. Proving Caleb Williams is overrated again and getting the D.C. canned and a huge 52-42 to 42 win at USC. Uh, number six, Oregon thunderstomped Cal, 63-19. Uh, number seven is Texas. I said the horns weren't done last week, and they proved it. Uh, another instant classic war against K-State hanging on in overtime, uh, 33-30. Number eight is Alabama in the statement game of their season so far, in my opinion, soundly beating LSU, 42-28. Uh, number nine is Penn State. No, they're 11th in the playoff ranking right now, but they stay at nine here, which won't really matter after this weekend. But they rip Maryland for, uh, 51-15. And then uh, at number 10, Ole Miss. The Rebels are back in the top 10 after a hard-fought one over A&M, 38-35. But would it have killed them to kick a field goal and cover the four and a half for me? Three and one. They'd hold, held on to a touchdown lead. Nice, nice. I would like to point out that Alabama has been my sleeper team all season, which is insane, and yet they're still my sleeper team. At number eight, they can very much still win the national championship. Well, the scary, yeah. the scary, the scary part of it is, is like now everybody's starting to take notice of Alabama. Well, they've only had, you know, what I mean, they've only had one loss, and then after you know the whooping that they put on LSU, everybody's starting to say, okay. How does this happen for for playoff contentions? And uh, we'll run down at the college football rankings, and then we'll talk about the top twenty five slaughter that happened this weekend. But uh, right now, your college football rankings as of this uh, recording, you've got Ohio State is number one, UGG is number two, Michigan's number three, and FSU. I think the fourth place seat could be any one of the teams that are like five through eight. To be completely honest, it just depends on on uh, who you're watching. Like if you watch Washington, like. Hey, Michael Penix Jr. is having a great season, but, you know, USC, eh, you know, they're kind of also ran Oregon. You know, if Oregon hadn't lost to Washington, then you can make the case. Texas, again, yeah. if they hadn't lost to OU, you can make the case. But Alabama, like Alabama's road to the playoff is there. If they beat Georgia uh, yeah. and they like clean it, you know, 
Yeah, again, it's the next guy, and all of a sudden you just see that A, and it's the playoffs, and everyone's like, "Oh crap, they were supposed to have a bad year." Yeah, how how did how did this happen? I don't know if you guys been been watching Milrow, man. Like that kid is yeah. good. Yeah, he is legit good. Like that guy is fast, he's strong, and like whatever it was, like you know, and and you have this argument, and this is something that we could probably could make a whole other topic about too. But like when you really think about it. When a coach makes a decision to sit a starting quarterback, like that does something to his psychology. And it's either he's going to trend up or he's going to trend down. And in this case, the kid is trending up huge. Yeah, you're going to find out if you got a quarterback. Yeah. And at least wait or he's going to get better. Yeah. And dude's showing and improving, man. Like he had what, three rushing touchdowns, a passing touchdown in the yeah. game. So it's like very Jalen hurt the ass. Yeah. He's, he, he did all this for but moving on to the top 25 losses, man. So we are, we're at 51 so far in the 2023 season. Of course, the number one being uh, army knocking air force out of the top 25 by beating them 23 to three in a great game. Notre Dame lost to an unranked Clemson, which is unbelievable. They still aren't even bowl eligible. Like that and crew needs another win in order to get a bowl game. And, who knows if that's going to happen? You know, you've got K-State that lost it in overtime to Texas. That was a great game if you didn't see any of it. OU uh, down Oklahoma State or Oklahoma State beat old Pistol Pete came out and, and finished it and killed off OU's chances of playoff hopes. I think they're pretty much done. And it's maybe a while that before they're even talked about in the playoff discussion, particularly going next year when they pop into the SEC, you know. Uga took down formerly number 12, Mizzou, 31-20. I, I mean, come on, man. Georgia has to do something. Like, they need to beat these teams a lot more impressively. That being said, Mizzou was 7-1 going into that contest. Yeah, they're not a team that yeah, I, I don't lose-lose for you. You're going to be favored by 14, and then you got to beat Mizzou by 14. They're, they're, yeah, I don't agree with that at all. Mizzou was the second-best team in the SEC East, Yeah, and they, they beat them soundly. Like, the game was never really in doubt. You know, yeah. like, come on, man. Yeah. Uh, but it just, it just wonders. It's like, is, you know, is Spectre of Alabama still hanging out there? You know, because Georgia still has a couple other tough games left on their schedule. Absolutely. That could, you know, hopefully not trip them up or anything. But uh, <laughs> number five, Washington put another nail in uh, USC's coffin for the season with the 52 42 win. That was, dude, that was gross. That was gross. I mean, I watched that game. It was ridiculous. It, it, like, it, it was a comedy show. Like, yeah. People just throwing footballs all over the place. Guys making fabulous catches, but there was no reason for them to make a fabulous catch like that. And you're scoring, you know, what? the Last week, it was 99 points. This week, it was 94 points. Okay, like, look, if you are a USC fan, and I'm sorry to anybody that is, but you've really got to be thinking about that decision to hire Lincoln Riley at this point. Because... Yeah. Like he's bringing the offense, which would be great. He'd probably make an awesome offensive coordinator in any college football or maybe even NFL team. But when you look at his overall performance as a coach, they dumped a whole lot of money and invested in that guy, you know, to bring the package deal of Caleb Williams over. Like, yeah, I won the Heisman last year, but they still had two losses. Like, yeah, I don't understand why, how, how it's hard to win out there. I mean, you're telling me kids don't want to go to school at USC. Yeah, have Will Fowler hanging on the sideline. The recruits that can finish these games. I just don't really understand it. I, I, I don't think – I think USD's poorly coached. I really do. Yeah. Well, uh, not I mean issue for him. I mean, we saw this when he was at Oklahoma, too. I feel like you sort of knew what you had to expect there. Yeah, well, defense, and he still doesn't, apparently. Well, he bought you know, he bought, he bought a Big 12 offense into the Pac-12. That, that, that's all he did. He, he certainly did. He certainly bought a Big 12 defense as well because they play zero defense in that league. Like, that's the worst 
you know, division in college football as far as defense is concerned. But speaking of people that need some work and uh, could probably do some improvement, it's time to move into Joe's Blue Falcon of the week. So who's in the circle of infinity this week? This one's going to feel personal. I'm going to sound like a homer and I'm going to sound triggered, but I can't help myself. Uh, head coach of Purdue, Ryan, tell the teacher Waters, take a seat in the blue chair, know your role and shut your mouth. Ryan said, I called a spade a spade <laughs> when he was asked about his role as the snitch in this witch, witch hunt, smoke show, charade, signal stealing nonsense that Michigan is being accused of. Well, in the words of one of my favorite actors of all time, allow me to retort. Uh, if we're doing a lot of spade identifying, let me identify this. This is your first year at Purdue after Jeff Brown left for Louisville. Purdue had an eight and six overall record and we're six and three in the conference a year ago, winning the very week I know Big Ten uh, West and playing the Wolverines in the Big Ten title game. I think we could all agree that's a very good season at Purdue. Enter the Waters era. In less than a year, Purdue has a two and seven overall record and they're one and six in the conference. You've come out publicly accusing Michigan of cheating. And anyone who knows anything about sports knows that's a beta male weak move. If Michigan was six and six, you'd be sitting back laughing, saying nothing. But since your boys can't compete, and that was proven on Saturday to the tune of 41-13, caveat, everyone steals signs. It's part of the game. It's the reason there's three W signal callers who are just there to fool the defense that's looking right at them. It's the reason coaches put a laminated sheet of paper over their mouth when they talk. And I believe it's the reason a lot of coaches wore the COVID mask longer than they needed to because it was more convenient when they were at the sidelines and everyone is looking at you to see if they can get a leg up. That's football. And when all the smoke settles and Jim Harbaugh still coaching Michigan and signs a new contract extension later on this month, I hope he sues you for defamation because what's happening to him right now is ridiculous. And if nobody has the guts to stand up for Harbaugh, I will. He has no record of cheating. Okay. And Michigan is an institution that prides itself on integrity and they would not be signing the head football coach to a contract extension if they believed he was dirty. Football's not the only show in town at the University of Michigan, believe it or not. Uh, end of story. Ryan Waters, you're in my vertical and horizontal intersection because you're the kid at recess that starts the fight and then tells the teacher after getting his butt kicked. You're the snitch and you're the attention thief. Nobody cares about what Purdue's doing this year on the field because they have one conference win in week 11. So to nab some attention, somebody shove a mic in my face because I don't have the ability to get attention the right way. There's rules being broken by a team that keeps handing you your ass on a platter. Only a coward would make an excuse for that. Michigan has won the last two games against Purdue by a combined score of 84 to 35, and there's no way to steal that. Until you can take a loss like a man and admit that you've got a lot of work to do before you're even in the same stratosphere as Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines, take your seat next to Mel Ryan Waters. You're the Blue Falcon of the Week. I apologize for being a homer guy. <laughs> the one thing I will say is that this would be very easy to fix with those helmet communicator thermal bobbers that they've had in the NFL forever. Like it's not even complicated. No, well, you know what the but you know what the discussion is from the NC2A. The discussion from the NC2A is well, the schools that don't have money can't do it. And so rather than like I, I don't know, you guys make a billion dollars. Expensive they, is that? Come on. Yeah. But at the bottom line, they make a billion dollars a year. That the NC2A could probably help it out. At, at some point but ladies and gentlemen thank you for for joe and his blue falcon of the week or should we call it triggered joe's triggered minute but uh moving on to the topic this week uh which team is blade runner right now that you want to see that you would like to see get a bowl and uh 
I'll lean in. Of course, you know, I'd love to see the Buffaloes get in, but I, they got tough sledding. They got three games left, and I just don't see it happening. They're trending – you know, they have a trending upward uh, Arizona to play this week. They've got Washington State, who's basically having a similar season as them, and then they cap the end of the year with uh, Utah. They need to win two of their last three in order to, to uh, get a bowl. So it's going to be interesting to, to see what happens with them. Uh the only other teams that I really want to see get a shot at the postseason probably will not happen is uh, James Madison University and Jacksonville State. Both of those teams are great. They both have bowl-eligible records, but because they moved up from FCS last year to FBS this year, I mean, JMU's in their second year, and I think the ban is two years or three years or something like that, or there's some ridiculous payout that they have to have in order to go to the postseason, which I just think is kind of junk. Yep. And then, uh, you know, both of, both of those teams have enough to win. I want to call yeah. shame on the NC2. You know, shame on the NC2A, man. Like, like, Especially what, the Dukes, man. James Madison's for real this year. Like, like what, what, yeah, absolutely. what, what's the point in keeping a good competitive team out of a bowl game, right? Like, they don't have a like, fan base that the NCAA can make a bunch of money off of, maybe. That, I, I mean, know. that's a mess. There's only one way to fix that, and that's by putting them on TV. Yeah, yep. right. Give them the give them their best yeah. opportunity to grow, you know, grow the fan base. And and again, it's it, it sucks. Shame on you, NCAA. Shame. But uh, selfishly, I'd like to see Army run this table and uh, have the NCAA give them an exception and say, hey, look, you guys are six and six for your two FCS games. Didn't happen last year when you had a you know power five team pull out and you had two FCS games. So I don't see it happening with a team that you know has struggled all season, even if they do run the table for the rest of it. And the other part of this, see previous note. If it came down to a six and six army team or undefeated JMU team to go into a bowl game, I would much rather see JMU go because they deserve it, quite frankly. You know, even if Army busts their butt and wins out, that would be awesome for you know for the team and for momentum going into the next season. But if you have a team that le- legitimately can win their conference, not go, that would be like Liberty winning, you know, conference yeah. USA and not getting a decent bowl game. Yeah. So that's going on too. Um, yeah, I've got two. Uh, we talked about Temple. They're three and six right now. They just got EJ Warner back from injury. We saw what he did through for 400 plus this week with that win over Navy. Uh, they have South Florida, Alabama, Birmingham, and them, and then Memphis. And obviously, they need to win all three of those. They got an excellent shot against those first two. But um, so if they're five and six headed into that showdown at Memphis, that's that's a pretty interesting, like low key American Conference game. Then in the ACC, Virginia Tech is four and five, and like it's taken a while, but their power running game started coming together recently with with former Army uh, offensive coordinator Brent Davis. Not so much this week; they got smoked by uh, Louisville, but the week before they ran for something like three hundred and fifty yards. I mean, it was nuts. And if you watch the the highlights, it looked like Army's offense; like it was just a straight up power running offense. It was badass. So anyway. Uh, Tech has Boston College, NC State, and Virginia, and they need two of those three. It's actually a hard slate because Boston College also runs the crap out of the football. Uh, If they drop that BC game this weekend, they're probably screwed. That's fair. How about you, Joe? You know, since you guys always cover the Pac-12, the SEC, the East Coast, and the Service Academy, uh, and there are literally dozens of teams on the cusp of being eligible, I figured I'll talk about the teams in the Big Ten that could go balling. Um, Maryland, Nebraska, Minnesota, and Wisconsin are all five and four right now and should be able to get that final win to make it in. Um, the long shots, believe it or not, Northwestern has a record of four and five. And uh, after a mild upset, the Fighting Illini have the same record. Um, I personally would really like to see it for the kids at Northwestern to be able to play in a bowl. I mean, what happened to them before the season wasn't quite fair to all of them. 
and it could have derailed the whole thing, but somehow they've managed to be almost 500 in a tough conference that I will admit isn't as deep as it is. It has been in years past. Uh, but that's something Northwestern should be proud of. And if they can manage to finish six and six or like in spectacular fashion and finish seven and five, uh, they'll definitely be bowling. So a lot of teams in the big 10 and it'll be interesting to see the way that sorts itself out, but I'm pulling for Northwestern. Those kids go to class. They have academic standards and, uh, you know, it'd be nice to see them recover. You lose your head coach. It's almost like losing a parent. So yeah, I'd be nice to see them, uh, pull it out. That's a good one. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I have nothing against that. And I think honestly, when you really look at college football, I think bowl season is kind of the reward for hard work, you know? So regardless of, of what team you're on, if you're, you know, if you're six and six, yeah, I think everybody, you know, grumbles underneath their breath when you see a six and six team going into a bowl game. However, usually when you have a six and six team going into a bowl game, you don't see a lot of the starters sitting, you know? And so those guys are given that opportunity. They're going to play their hearts out to try and get that, you know, that last win and bust that 500 before the end of the year. And so that really is helpful, honestly. And so I understand why, the, you know, the bowl committee lets six and six teams go in. The other piece of it is, is ESPN basically said it, you know, hey, we'll continue to add bowl games if there's te- enough teams to play in them. So yeah. my thought is this, since uh, you guys are going to continue to, you know, add bowl games for teams that uh, are six and six, hey, set me up a bowl game, put it in freaking, you know, do it in Charlotte, man. I'll go to the Duke's Mayo Bowl too with, you know, with JMU and Jacksonville State playing each other. I, I mean, I think yeah. that would be a great game. Like, if you're going to add bowl games because there's enough eligible teams, add one for those guys just to give them the TV time. You know, is it going to hurt anything this weekend? Yeah, I mean, in South Carolina, they tell me that team isn't entertaining. Yeah, I mean that would be that would be low hanging fruit and like NCAA. If you're listening to this, like we should make it make it happen. And the reason why I say that is because and make it happen. Yeah, because it's all about fans, right? It's all about the fans, and that's what bowl games really are about. Because like there is no actual benefit to the university except financially and getting eyeballs on them to go into the postseason. So if you're gonna do it, you know, make the make the investment in the teams that actually need to go. And and like I said, when James, when I'm hoping that when Jan and you and Jacksonville State get this uh, postseason ban lifted that they are still, you know, competing the way that they are. So they have the best opportunity to go postseason because they're legit teams, both of them. And I've watched their games, their solid performances, and the bottom line is it is a crime against humanity to not have all teams that are eligible to go to bowls go to bowls. And speaking of not having crimes against humanity, if you need to get a new home, we have a sponsor, and his name is Craig Oxane, who finally followed me on Twitter, which is uh, <laughs> after almost three years on NFL football. <laughs> this is the first time I've got him on Twitter. But uh, well, make sure you any better. He just re-upped his sponsorship. I cashed his check today, so uh, nice. You can feel good about that. Yeah. Then Craig Oxane is the vice president of residential lending for Draper and Kramer in Chicago. He is a West Point. Uh, graduate class of 1994 licensed to lend in all 50 states but one of the biggest va lenders in the country friends craig is going to give you the best deal that he possibly can and that's good because the mortgage process is freaking confusing you got interest rates moving all over the place all these rules you got to sign two inches worth of paperwork when you get your house like it's scary and you want to deal with somebody who cares about you not somebody who just wants to make a buck off you or for whom you're just a number not some call center not some random big box bank not a minus website this is how the west point network functions craig is helping us stay in business here at as for football and we're helping you get the best deal on a mortgage that we possibly can by introducing you to the man that you need to meet 
Plus, Craig doesn't charge lenders fees for veterans. That's a huge savings, like $1,300. Get that money, guys. Like, that's that's easy. Craig Oxane, Vice President of Residential Lending. Check him out. Link's on our website. Just go to askforfootball.com. Click the little button. Fill out a questionnaire. You'll be talking to Craig in a couple of hours. Thanks, Dan. So let's move on to the games of the week. Hey, can't I complain? Again, I think one of the things that this is a staple for college football later on in the season that we're going to have Tuesday night games, I'm all down for that because they're usually some halfway decent teams and some decent matchups. So you have uh, on Tuesday at 7 o'clock on CBS Sports Network and then on ESPNU, you've got Ball State at NIU playing and then you got Central and Western Michigan kicking off at 7 on ESPNU. You've got Ohio and Buffalo playing at 7.30 on ESPN2. Wednesday, yeah. uh, and So Wednesday is actually most of the MAC games and so you've got Maction running on. So you've got Akron at Miami of Ohio, 7.30 kick at uh, on ESPNU. you got Bowling Green and Kent State. We have Eastern Michigan and Toledo, and those are all three games on Wednesday. Thursday, you've got Virginia and Louisville. That's a good game. Like, Louisville is a solid team. They bounced back after that loss to Pitt, and Virginia has been trending upward. You know, they've stumbled a little bit, but they're still actually looking like a pretty solid team, and that should be a great matchup on Thursday night. We've got Southern Miss and the University of Louisiana on the second game on Thursday night. Uh, Friday night, you've got North Texas and SMU, Wyoming and UNLV. Those will be uh, mildly interesting, plus their late kicks. So you've got a 0 or 0 9, 2100 kick for ESPN2 for North Texas and SMU. And then Wyoming and UNLV kicks at 1045 p.m. at F- on, uh, Fox Sports 1. So just catch those highlights in the morning. <laughs> I mean, that, that'd be my recommendation. Wyoming yeah. catching like five points in that game, which is amazing. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, I think that'll be interesting. Uh, you got Alabama and Kentucky. Uh, I mean, Kentucky has had a good season up until this point. They struggled in a couple of games. But uh, after the way that Bama put it on LSU, I think it's going to be an interesting uh, interesting contest, maybe for the first half. And then, you know, Bama will Bama in the second half, as they always do. And they'll probably end by beating by two or three touchdowns. Uh, moving down the slate, uh, we've got Auburn and Arkansas. Those are kind of two middle-tier teams in the SEC playing each other. That could potentially end up being a good game just because, like, they're in the middle. Uh, you got Florida at LSU. Now, if the you know if they were in Jacksonville, I think Edge Florida because LSU is kind of struggling. I don't foresee uh, LSU losing another game though. Just to be completely honest, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, moving on, you got Holy Cross at Army kicking at noon. Uh, you've got Michigan State and Penn State at Penn State. That's noon. That's going to be a whiteout game in the daytime, which kind of sucks because like the whiteout Michigan State, and my feelings are hurt. I'm sorry. Well, it, you didn't mean that, did you? It all kind of, it all kind of runs together. Michigan, comma, Penn State. <laughs> at Penn State. That's a whiteout game. Uh, Evening Fox at noon. You've got Michigan State at Ohio State, uh, 730 on NBC and Peacock. Dude, like, I feel bad for Michigan State. Yep. For both teams to lose? Yeah. Yeah, that, 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 that's a, that's a, well, well, that, but that's a, that's a game that, uh, you know, that's a game that really has a lot of significance for one, one team. And, you know, Michigan State has pulled it off before at their place, you know, the upset of, of the Buckeyes. But uh, given the way the Buckeyes' defense is playing this year, their offense is, you know, it's not – roughed up. Yeah, it's their offense isn't performing as advertised. So, like, if you look at uh, Ohio State's offense, like, the last three years under Ryan Day, they've averaged, like, 42.5 points a game. And now they're averaging about 38 points a game. But the defense is a hell of a lot better 
So, I mean, you don't need to score 42 if you've got a defense the way that they're playing. You got Northwestern at Wisconsin. That's going to be an interesting game because both of those teams are kind of struggling. You know, Wisconsin is good. You know, their star running back, you know, their 17-star their tailback got hurt when they played Ohio State, and he's still kind of on the mend. So it's always an opportunity that, like, Northwestern may be able to, you know, get into a dogfight. I don't know if they'll win, but that should be a good game. You got ODU at Liberty. Old Dominion was good a couple of years ago. They're still decent. Liberty is still undefeated. They're playing pretty tough this year. Probably going to win Conference USA. I mean, they're in the driver's seat for sure, and uh, we'll see what happens. You got Old The problem is they ain't played anybody. I mean, they beat the crap out of their schedule, but – they haven't had a game to prove what they can do. Yeah, it's been yeah. pretty soft. Well, and, and 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 that's the thing, and that'll be a, a comment that I will make. Well, a comment that we can make at just about any time. I, I think part of the reason why uh, Army's uh, win over Air Force was so shocking was because Air Force was undefeated. But when you looked at their, you know, strength of schedule, they're bottom of the barrel. And so I think that's one of the things that, like, going forward in the rest of the season, particularly through November, teams that have have had a soft schedule, like. They're going to have to step up to prove, you know, particularly those in the, you know, in the playoff contention that they're ready to go for the playoff because it, it you know, any of those top 10, 12 teams, they can start shifting around in November's are the games that people really care about. Cause that's usually when your rivalry games are and you're getting close to, if not into your conference championship games. So you're going to know what the slate looks like by the end of the month. You got Old Miss of Georgia. Hey, man, I like Lane Kiffin and the offense over there at Ole Miss. I don't think that they're going to have enough for Georgia or anything for Georgia. This game will be a great one coming up next, though. Tennessee and Missouri, I think that's going to be an awesome football contest to watch. Pick them right now. Uh, I'm a little scared uh, Tennessee's not going to come through in the clutch there. Yeah. uh, It's frustrating because they're just not as good as you want them to be. Yeah, but Joe Milton's been playing a lot better in the latter half of the season. Really surprised me. Yeah, his pick to touchdown ratio is it's it's light years from where he was at Michigan. Like I didn't know he had it in him, um, but he's playing he's playing very well. Yeah, I think game like I, I, think, that. Yeah, I, I think that 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 game's very very dangerous. I, I mean, it'll be a great contest to watch either way. Um, yeah, UConn's uh, Cinderella season is over, and they go down to JMU, and they're probably going to get smacked around for sure. <laughs> That'll be on the plus. Uh, you've got Arizona and Colorado. That's an interesting game because, like, you're starting to see the improvements in the Colorado defense, and Arizona is trending upward. So I think this is this is like a good clash of two like middle of the herd Pac-12 teams. Yep. You know, I think this I, I think it'll be a good one. Uh, that one will be worth watching for sure if uh, you have the Pac-12 network. You got Arizona State against uh, UCLA. That should be a good game. UCLA, you know, came out pretty strong against USC, and then they kind of got rolled over, but. I think that will be a better game than advertised. You got Stanford against Oregon State. That one will be good just because, you know, Stanford rises to the occasion. Oregon State can can lose, and their record is not the best. Uh, the marquee matchup in the Pac-12, and again, like, you got pac 12 fratricide all this week, which is going to be crazy. You got some really good games in the Pac-12. You got USC at Oregon. Again, that game's going to be televised uh, TBD, though they haven't said when or what channel. But, uh, you know, this could be the nail in the coffin. Like if Oregon if Oregon blows USC out, then what you're going to end up seeing is I don't even I, I think you see USC either at 25 or fall out of the top 25 completely. I mean, at this point you're what six and six and four, you know you're going to a bowl, but who cares? Like their 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 chance for the yeah. Rose Bowl, you know their chance for the Rose Bowl is Oregon and <laughs> Oregon and Washington making it into the playoffs somehow. You know because other than that. 
USC season is pretty much done. And that's what started all the speculation last week of, of you know, is Caleb Williams going to stay? Is he going to leave? I mean, I mean, at some point you got to make a, you know, somebody tweeted it out and that's what started the whole rumor. It's like, hey, look, you've got to make the right business decision. And for him, like, what's the point? What does he do? You know what I mean? And like at the end of the day, it's like he can be super athletic. He can do all those things. But what I will say is he is not going to have that same level of performance in the pros as Lamar Jackson. You know what I mean? Lamar Jackson, Mike Williams, when Mike Williams did that, yeah, said, I'm not going to yeah. play. I want to be yeah. drafted. And the NFL said, hey, we don't do that. And he said, okay, I just won't play. Well, the Lions were stupid enough to draft him, but you didn't hear about him two years later. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. It's just like you're, you're going to have players, but like he's he's he is probably, you know, kid is probably in the worst position in college football right now. You know what I mean? Like former Heisman Trophy winner on probably the worst team in at least in your league, if not in college football. I mean, there's, I don't know. I mean, like, dude, keep in mind, you know, Colorado played those guys close. Yeah. And if he doesn't have that. somebody around him telling him you need to play more college football to become a better pro, then he's got bad people around. Yeah. Someone's giving this kid bad advice, in my opinion. No, the bottom line is, you know, the best thing that he could do is, and I hate to say it, and he probably can't because he's already transferred, transfer to another team. You know, he'll have to sit out a year, which will suck for him. But, you know, what's another year of maturity, you know, when you're already making, you're already making Dr. Pepper money, man. Like both, both Nix will be 31 in December. (laughs) (laughs) True statement. And, and you know, who else might be coming back? Cam Rising, because we haven't seen him all season. I think so. Did he take a medical register? I, I think he has. I haven't. I haven't dove into it, but he hasn't played in six games, so it's it's quite possible that we will see him again as the lone gunslinger. Moving on, you got Duke in North Carolina, so you got the Battle of the Blues. That's always exciting around this part, and, and you know, given the way that Duke has been playing and North Carolina, I think that'll be a good matchup between the two of them. You got Georgia Tech and Clemson, uh, mildly interesting. You got Miami and Florida State again. Like this is a 1990s matchup that everybody used to watch. That's now like dead and buried. Like what a shame. Yeah, for sure. Well, they're watching Miami turn around and win that game. Yeah, it, it would not be surprised. It, it, it wouldn't be the craziest thing that's ever happened, that's for sure. Yeah, you know what else will happen? If it's close towards, the, you know, if it's towards the tail end of the game, I bet you Mario Cristobal will take a knee <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but uh, you got Baylor and Kansas State. It, that's always a great game. Baylor and K-State, I actually got to see uh, when I was – unfortunately stationed at Fort Riley. I actually got to see uh, RG3 play Baylor at Kansas State. His only interception that, like, one of the, his first interception of the season was against Kansas State at their place, and it was a tip pass. And believe it or not, man, what a waste of a super, super talented athlete for him to get hurt like he did when he was in the pros, because that guy was an amazing athlete. I mean, Baylor was so exciting when he played there. Yeah, like, straight up, like, one of the absolute best. You got Oklahoma State at UCF. Now, that could be a trap game for Oklahoma State, man, because, you know, old UCF is tricky. You know, old Gus Malzahn, like when they booted him from Auburn, that was not a good idea to let him go down to Central Florida because he will he will uh, put it on you. So we'll see what happens in that one. Texas at TCU, that could be a trap game too. You know, he had an emotional freaking overtime win against Kansas State, and TCU is just slowly muddling along their middle of the, pro, middle of the pack. They're five and four. Like, don't get caught looking to the next week because that could be bad for you. You got Texas Tech and Kansas, uh, West Virginia at Oklahoma. That should be an interesting game. That's an old Big 12 matchup kind of revisited. And then, uh, you know, the last two on the slate that I would 
call your attention to. You got UAB at Navy. Nobody cares unless Navy can fix their their offense because their offense is bad. Like their defense is good, but their offense is bad. Their run defense is good. Mm. Yeah. Well, if you got a quarterback that could throw two hundred and you know two hundred yards and two touchdowns or three touchdowns, you'll probably win that game because yeah, absolutely. You know, and they got the coach to do it down there at UAB. So who who knows? You got Georgia State and App State, man. Again, if you got ESPN Plus, definitely check that one out. I think that'll be a great game. And then the last one on the slate is uh, tracking is Texas State and Coastal Carolina. And that's at uh, 3.30 on ESPN. I'll be going to watch that. Great game. Yeah, I'm going to be watching that one just to scout out to see what uh, Coastal does because, uh, I mean, they seem to be – and I don't even want to say that out loud, but they seem to be playing better with their backup quarterback since Grayson McCall has been out. And I think it's just because – it's just because that guy's gotten enough reps, and now that he's getting starter reps, he's only going to get better. Honestly, we'll see. Neat, eat good too. Yeah, I, I think that'll be a good, good game. Yeah, but we'll pause real quick, and we'll move into our weekly locks and what we're watching this weekend. Weekly locks. All right, Dano, what you got? So I went three and all last week. Finally. Uh, South Alabama at Troy went way under 46 and a half. As we predicted, BC won outright at Syracuse. And Coastal Carolina easily covered a point and a half at Old Dominion. This week, I got to say, um, outside of Michigan at Penn State and Tennessee at Mizzou, there aren't that many Power 5 games that really speak to me personally. Um, I am taking Virginia Tech at Boston College under 49 and a half. Like, both those teams are going to run the crap out of the football and they can barely do anything else. So if nothing else, that game is going to be short. Uh, Temple plus seven and a half at South Florida. We already talked about that. Um, Temple's got a really decent chance to win that game outright. And if anything, game's going to be decided on the last play. And finally, Troy at ULM under 45 and a half. Bottom line, ULM isn't going to score at all on Troy. So I don't think Troy puts up 45. That's fair. Tennessee at Mizzou under or over uh, 58.5, but that's, that's just a temptation. That's a lean. Okay. Joe, how about you? All right. I uh, had a rough week. I went two and two. Notre Dame never got off the bus in Death Valley. Um, Old Miss blew a huge lead only to win by three and not cover four and a half. Uh, Oklahoma State made me look smart by winning outright in Bedlam. I had them uh, plus six across the board all week. And the fighting primes of Colorado covered against Oregon State, losing by seven when they were plus 14 at kickoff. All right. So to make it up, I'm picking one more game this week. I'm picking five. Uh, first, I'm going with the boys behind me, the Michigan Wolverines, minus three and a half at Penn State. I watched Penn State when they played the second uh, defense in the Big Ten, and they didn't look very good. I've got Michigan winning this game by two touchdowns, and they are a lock for me. Going away. Um, I've watched every game in the Big Ten this season that mattered. Talent is talent. Michigan matches up really good with these guys. Next. Um, I got Kansas at home minus three and a half against Texas Tech. Um, Kansas is playing their best football of the season, and I think they win a shootout here, and I really like the over on that game as well because Texas Tech can score. Um, then you guys have mentioned a few of the games. You just mentioned them for other reasons, but uh, then I'm taking Boston College minus one at home against Virginia Tech, um, who looked putrid last week against Louisville, losing by 30-plus. They never really found their offense. Um and then I'm sticking with the boys from Stillwater to go on the road and beat UCF. I'm logging in. Okay, State minus two. They haven't lost a game since September 23rd, 
and UCF is one in four in their last five. The Cowboys have the best RB1 in the nation and Ali Gordon, and I believe they roll with him. They've turned their season around, and after back-to-back L's to South Alabama and Iowa State, they're probably the most dangerous team in the country right now that nobody wants to play. Um, and for my bonus pick, I feel it's necessary to roll with the Louisville Cardinals who look like their defense is firing on all cylinders and their offense has been able to hang up 30 plus all season getting uh giving 20 and a half at home against the lowly Cavaliers of Virginia um after a 30 point plus a 30 plus point win over Virginia Tech I feel like Louisville is going to blow out Virginia and possibly possibly pitch another shutout if not a under one touchdown game on defense I like Louisville 28 nothing I think they're on fire right now I really do yeah I think they bounced back pretty well after they uh after the loss to Pitt. And again, like, who who says that? Because nobody's lost to Pitt this season. Right. Especially the that beat the teams that Louisville's beat. Handle. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Like, that just doesn't, doesn't even seem right. Pitt's oh, sneaky, man. Pitt's, yeah. it's one of those teams that you don't want to go play there just because, once again, you're supposed to win that game. And yeah. if you don't come with your A game, they can play defense. Yeah, they'll sneak up on you. So I went 4-0 last week. Uh, hit on the over between USC and Washington. And, uh, Penn State, Maryland, which you guys poo-pooed, poo-pooed me on. I knew that was going to happen. Uh, Pitt covered 21, barely. And then uh, OSU run outright at Bedlam, which is pretty awesome. So those were my picks last week. Again, I'm taking the blind over USC at Oregon. Nobody cares. I, I mean, like <laughs> both of those teams both those teams have tremendous offense. See at least, I'm going to say 80 points, probably closer to 90 again, just because that's been the trend the last three weeks for USC. They can score 40, 45 points, but they can't stop. 52 or 55 points. I mean, like it, it's going to be out of control. I think over 100. Yeah, it, it, it might. Particularly the, it, with the pace of Oregon's offense. And again, you're going to have a great quarterback duel. So you have Heisman Trophy winner versus Heisman Trophy candidate, you know, and Bo Nix will get out of his walker, uh, get out on the sidelines, throw some touchdown passes, and then head back in to uh, eat his pudding from a spoon or from a straw. Because that guy is like the oldest dude in college football whole in the moment. All right. Uh, take. Pick Florida cover 13 and a half at LSU if we're playing. Wow. Yeah, if if they were playing in the swamp, I would I would take the Gators to win. But I think this game is going to go into overtime, and uh, LSU will win by at least six points. Is, is Jaden Daniels even playing? He uh, got knocked out of that Bama game. I, I don't know. Uh, like, he got his bell rung, and I don't yeah. I heard anything about concussion protocol on him, but he got rocked. Well, particularly if he got diagnosed, he can't play. Yeah, well, I, I don't think he did because it was it was late in the game. They didn't put him back in, but he got blasted. Like it was, it, it was like one of those. It was one of those like oof, like that was a bad hit from the 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 defensive player. Like he ran through him, and it literally was like helmet in the center of his chest. So it wasn't like a targeting call or anything like that. It just was an unnecessary roughness or roughing the passer. But it would have it would have been uh, unnecessary roughness in the NFL because he took him all the way to the ground after he threw the ball, but. Yeah, like not so much in college. Yeah, it was, it, it was for sure rough in the passer though, f- for real. And and at, at some point, you know, at, at some point, you know, deep deep down inside, the defensive guy in me was like, eh, you know, I'll take a penalty like that if you, you know, rock the kid's world, but not injure him. You know what I mean? Like if it's just a good, if it's a good sharp, you know, if it's a good good hard hit, you get a penalty on it, and the guy seeing, you know, has footsteps. I'm okay with that. But if it takes him out of the game, you know, then sure. again, it is what it is. And then. uh Take the over uh, 44 and a half Wolverines against the Nittany Lions at the, the whiteout game. I'm saying 41 32. I think uh, 
I think Penn State will have a little bit more offense for Michigan, plus Michigan will score fast. And so I think that will allow Penn State to keep it a little bit closer than uh, what Joe's thinking. But I got I, 38-21. Yeah, but I, I legitimately think they'll, they'll score some points. I, I mean, they're going to hit the over for sure. But, uh, you know, and I'm going to stop because I, I picked four last week and I will hit on all four. I'm going to, you know, get out while the getting's good. and uh, <laughs> Nice. You know, and not uh, go too far, go too crazy. But, like, the only other lean that I would have is is I would take the, uh, you know, again, looking at the looking at the, the Washington and uh, – not Washington, but the USC and Oregon game. Like, if there's some kind of crazy parlay with like passing yards, like I would look at like quarterbacks and passing touchdowns because I think you're going to have another quarterback duel. You're probably going to see both QBs with 300 plus. So if you have like a parlay for like 250 and uh, 250 and three touchdowns, I would take that on both quarterbacks because you'll probably hit both of those legs because those guys are going to they're going to put out the numbers. Like that's a fact. There's no denying that one, but uh, a third pause points uh, bet. See if they got a hundred points bonus bet. I think yeah. it's going to be over a hundred points scored. You think so? Yeah, I, I, I mean, at the rate that they're We're going, on eighty once this year themselves. They've scored sixty twice on cop yeah. points. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I mean, when you're when you're when you're looking at it, like it's it's going to be a track meet, man. Like if you like offense, like buckle up because you don't blink because you're going to get up to go to the bathroom and they're going to be two touchdowns score because these guys are going to be slinging it all over the place. But uh, moving on to the bandwagon fantasy sports update. Like, look, the rest of you guys, we love you, but y'all got some work to do in order to catch up with me, Dan and Matt, because Matt, again, is in number one. I held the number one spot for like 30 seconds and then a game ended <laughs> and then I got bumped back down. I actually have the away wins. I have more away wins than him, so I just need Matt to make one bad choice. And then hopefully we'll either be tied or I'll win the tiebreaker. He, he the, deserves so much credit for leaving Army in his lineup heading into that road Air Force win. And then when they got the win, don't get me wrong, I'm delighted, but but I was screwed. Like I, you know, he's six points up on me now. I don't think I can catch him. That, did you did you keep Army in your lineup? I never had Army in my lineup. Oh, you I never say it, but no. Yeah, I had Army in my lineup as well, so I got I got the benefit of that one. But uh, I got to I got to move a couple things around, but. Hey, man, like we're at the end of the show. College football is insane. We got 51 top 25 losses, and those are still going to be coming. A lot of those losses are going to happen this week in the Pac-12. So if you are a Pac-12 fan, get your Pac-12 network uh, going on. But uh, bottom line is, man, like this has been an interesting season. There are teams that are trending up and trending out. This week should be the week for those teams that have two or three losses or three or more losses they should be closing in on bowl eligibility. So hopefully we'll start chipping away at some of those guys that uh, Joe had mentioned in the Big Ten and the folks that uh, Dano mentioned, at least we're getting one step closer to having that postseason opportunity. Again, bowl games are bowl games are fun when, like I said, if it's a 6-6 six and six team or the guys are trying to, you know, put a stamp on their season because it didn't go as well as they wanted to, I think those are usually more fun games. And if you don't think so, go back to uh, – was it 2021 when Army played in Mizzou, right? That was a great game. And had their starting running back stayed in, it may have been a different contest. But, you know, Mizzou was like, oh, we're too good. We're too fancy to put our starters in, and it cost them. You know, nobody wants to see – like, nobody except Army fans wants to see an SEC team lose to an independent. But I'm down for that every time. And I would – Everybody wanted to see that. Come on, man. How many fans (laughs) does Mizzou have in this world? You don't want to see Army beat Mizzou 
there's a good chance you support ISIS. I'm not making any. <laughs> I mean, Mizzou is not, you know, Missouri is not like the most populous state in the nation. I mean, no, Mizzou can take an L to army. That was, that was popular across the nation. Yeah. I think that was, I think that was a great game. And the bottom line, it was a great game. Right. And I think that's really what it is. You want to see that postseason play be incredible. Anyway, so for the crew here at the As for Football College Football Roundtable, I'm Rob, the Angry Colonel, calling out of Fayetteville, North Carolina. We got Dano Ikebesa calling to you from coastal Connecticut and Trigger Joe from the home of the big house. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Beat Holy Cross. Beat them. Thanks for listening to the As for Football College Football Roundtable. Tune in next week as the AFF team brings you more hot takes and college football analysis. We'd like to thank our sponsor, BuyerBarn.com. BuyerBarn.com is the world's first platform to perform online auctions and sales for farm animals. BuyerBarn.com is dedicated to helping small farmers in America and are extending a special discount to military veterans who want to help in the revolution of the family farm. Go to BuyerBarn.com forward slash military. That's BuyerBarn.com. B-Y-R-E-B-A-R-N.com to learn more and to get started or email them at info at buyerbarn.com. Thanks again for listening to As for Football, College Football Roundtable, and as always, Beat Navy.